Question 21 of Summa Theologica, Pars Prima Secundae, on the last end and on human acts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica, Pars Prima Secundae, on the last end and on human acts, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 21. Of the consequences of human actions by reason of their goodness and malice. In four articles. We have now to consider the consequences of human actions by reason of their goodness and malice. And under this head there are four points of inquiry. 1. Whether a human action is right or sinful by reason of its being good or evil. 2. Whether it thereby deserves praise or blame? 3. Whether accordingly it is meritorious or demeritorious? 4. Whether it is accordingly meritorious or demeritorious before God? First article. Whether a human action is right or sinful, in so far as it is good or evil? Objection 1. It seems that a human action is not right or sinful insofar as it is good or evil for quote, monsters are the sins of nature end quote. physics two eight but monsters are not actions but things engendered outside the order of nature now things that are produced according to art and reason imitate those that are produced according to nature physics two eight therefore an action is not sinful by reason of its being inordinate and evil Objection 2. Further, sin, as stated in Physics 2.8, occurs in nature and art when the end intended by nature or art is not attained. But the goodness or malice of a human action depends, before all, on the intention of the end and on its achievement. Therefore, it seems that the malice of an action does not make it sinful. Objection 3. Further, if the malice of an action makes it sinful, it follows that wherever there is evil, there is sin. But this is false, since punishment is not a sin, although it is an evil. Therefore, an action is not sinful by reason of its being evil. On the contrary, as shown above, question 19, article 4, the goodness of a human action depends principally on the eternal law, and consequently its malice consists in its being in disaccord with the eternal law. But this is the very nature of sin. For Augustine says, Against Faustus, a Manichae, 22.27, that, quote, Sin is a word, deed, or desire in opposition to the eternal law, end quote. Therefore, a human action is sinful by reason of its being evil. I answer that, Evil is more comprehensive than sin, as also is good than right. For every privation of good, in whatever subject, is an evil, whereas sin consists properly in an action done for a certain end, and lacking due order to that end. Now the due order to an end is measured by some rule. In things that act according to nature, this rule is the natural force that inclines them to that end. When, therefore, an action proceeds from a natural force in accord with the natural inclination to an end, 
then the action is said to be right, since the mean does not exceed its limits, viz., the action does not swerve from the order of its active principle to the end. But when an action strays from this rectitude, it comes under the notion of sin. Now, in those things that are done by the will, the proximate rule is the human reason, while the supreme rule is the eternal law. When, therefore, a human action tends to the end, according to the order of reason and of the eternal law, then that action is right. But when it turns aside from that rectitude, then it is said to be a sin. Now it is evident from what has been said, question 19, articles 3, 4, that every voluntary action that turns aside from the order of reason and of the eternal law is evil, and that every good action is in accord with reason and the eternal law. Hence, it follows that a human action is right or sinful by reason of its being good or evil. Reply Objection 1. Monsters are called sins inasmuch as they result from a sin in nature's action. Reply Objection 2. The end is twofold, the last end and the proximate end. In the sin of nature, the action does indeed fail in respect of the last end which is the perfection of the thing generated. But it does not fail in respect of any proximate end whatever, since when nature works, it forms something. In like manner, the sin of the will will always fail as regards the last end intended, because no voluntary evil action can be ordained to happiness, which is the last end. And yet it does not fail in respect of some proximate end, intended and achieved by the will wherefore also since the very intention of this end is ordained to the last end this same intention may be right or sinful reply objection three each thing is ordained to its end by its action and therefore sin which consists in straying from the order to the end consists properly in an action on the other hand Punishment regards the person of the sinner, as was stated in the first part. Question 48, Articles 5 to 4, Article 6 to 3. Second article, whether a human action deserves praise or blame by reason of its being good or evil? Objection 1. It would seem that a human action does not deserve praise or blame by reason of its being good or evil. For, quote, sin happens even in things done by nature, end quote. Physics 2, 8. And yet natural things are not deserving of praise or blame. Ethics 3, 5. Therefore, a human action does not deserve blame by reason of it being evil or sinful. And, consequently, neither does it deserve praise by reason of it being good. Objection 2. Further, just as sin occurs in moral actions, so does it happen in the productions of art. Because, as stated in Physics 2.8, it is a sin in a grammarian to write badly and in a doctor to give the wrong medicine. End quote. But the artist is not blamed for making something bad because the artist's work is such that he can produce a good or a bad thing just as he lists. 
Therefore, it seems that neither is there any reason for blaming a moral action in the fact that it is evil. Objection 3. Further, Dionysius says, Divine Names 4, that evil is, quote, weak and incapable, end quote. But weakness or inability either takes away or diminishes guilt. Therefore, a human action does not incur guilt from being evil. On the contrary, the philosopher says, on the virtues and vices, one, that, quote, virtuous deeds deserve praise, while deeds that are opposed to virtue deserve censure and blame, end quote. But good actions are virtuous because, quote, virtue makes that which has it good and makes its action good, end quote. Ethics 2, 6. Wherefore, actions opposed to virtue are evil. Therefore, a human action deserves praise or blame through being good or evil. I answer that, just as evil is more comprehensive than sin, so is sin more comprehensive than blame. For an action is said to deserve praise or blame from its being imputed to the agent, since to praise or to blame means nothing else than to impute to someone the malice or goodness of his action. Now an action is imputed to an agent when it is in his power, so that he has dominion over it, because it is through his will that man has dominion over his actions, as was made clear above. Question 1, Articles 1, 2. Hence it follows that good or evil, involuntary actions alone, renders them worthy of praise or blame, and in such like actions, evil, sin, and guilt are one and the same thing. Reply Objection 1. Natural actions are not in the power of the natural agent, since the action of nature is determinate. And therefore, although there be sin in natural actions, there is no blame. Reply Objection 2. Reason stands in different relations to the productions of art and to moral actions. In matters of art, reason is directed to a particular end, which is something devised by reason, whereas in moral matters, it is directed to the general end of all human life. Now, a particular end is subordinate to the general end. Since, therefore, sin is a departure from the order to the end, as stated above, Article 1, Sin may occur in two ways in a production of art. First, by a departure from the particular end intended by the artist, and this sin will be proper to the art. For instance, if an artist produce a bad thing while intending to produce something good, or produce something good while intending to produce something bad. Secondly, by a departure from the general end of human life. And then he will be said to sin if he intend to produce a bad work and does so in effect, so that another is taken in thereby. But this sin is not proper to the artist as such, but as man. Consequently, for the former sin, the artist is blamed as an artist, while for the latter, he is blamed as a man. On the other hand, in moral matters, where we take into consideration the order of reason to the general end of human life, Sin and evil are always due to a departure from the order of reason to the general end of human life. Wherefore, man is blamed for such a sin, both as man and as a moral being. 
Hence the philosopher says, Ethics 6, 5, that, quote, in art, he who sins voluntarily is preferable, but in prudence, as in the moral virtues, end quote, which prudence directs, quote, he is the reverse, end quote. Reply objection three. Weakness that occurs in voluntary evils is subject to man's power, wherefore it neither takes away nor diminishes guilt. Third article, whether a human action is meritorious or demeritorious insofar as it is good or evil. Objection one. It would seem that a human action is not meritorious or demeritorious on account of its goodness or malice. For we speak of merit or demerit in relation to retribution, which has no place save in matters relating to another person. But good or evil actions are not all related to another person, for some are related to the person of the agent. Therefore, not every good or evil human action is meritorious or demeritorious. Objection 2. Further, no one deserves punishment or reward for doing as he chooses with that of which he is master. Thus, if a man destroys what belongs to him, he is not punished, as if he had destroyed what belongs to another. But man is master of his own actions. Therefore, a man does not merit punishment or reward through putting his action to a good or evil purpose. Objection 3. Further, if a man acquires some good for himself, he does not on that account deserve to be benefited by another man and the same applies to evil. Now a good action is itself a kind of good and perfection of the agent, while an inordinate action is his evil. Therefore, a man does not merit or demerit from the fact that he does a good or an evil deed. On the contrary, it is written, Isaiah 3, verses 10, 11, quote, Say to the just man that it is well, for he shall eat the fruit of his doings, Woe to the wicked unto evil, for the reward of his hand shall be given him. End quote. I answer that we speak of merit and demerit in relation to retribution rendered according to justice. Now retribution according to justice is rendered to a man by reason of his having done something to another's advantage or hurt. It must, moreover, be observed that every individual member of a society is in a fashion, a part and member of the whole society. Wherefore, any good or evil done to the member of a society redounds on the whole society. Thus, who hurts the hand hurts the man. When, therefore, anyone does good or evil to another individual, there is a twofold measure of merit or demerit in his action. First, in respect of the retribution owed to him by the individual to whom he has done good or harm. Secondly, in respect of the retribution owed to him by the whole of society. Now, when a man ordains his action directly for the good or evil of the whole society, retribution is owed to him before and above all by the whole society, secondarily by all the parts of society. Whereas when a man does that which conduces to his own benefit or disadvantage, then again is retribution owed to him, insofar as this too affects the community. For as much as he is part of society, although retribution is not due to him, 
insofar as it conduces to the good or harm of an individual who is identical with the agent unless perchance he owe retribution to himself by a sort of resemblance insofar as man is said to be just to himself it is therefore evident that a good or evil action deserves praise or blame insofar as it is in the power of the will that it is right or sinful according as it is ordained to the end and that its merit or demerit depends on the recompense for justice or injustice towards another reply objection one a man's good or evil actions although not ordained to the good or evil of another individual are nevertheless ordained to the good or evil of another i e the community reply objection two man is master of his actions and yet in so far as he belongs to another i e the community of which he forms part he merits or demerits inasmuch as he disposes his actions well or ill just as if he were to dispense well or ill other belongings of his in respect of which he is bound to serve the community reply objection three this very good or evil which a man does to himself by his action redounds to the community as stated above fourth article whether a human action is meritorious or demeritorious before god according as it is good or evil objection one it would seem that man's actions good or evil are not meritorious or demeritorious in the sight of god because as stated above article three merit and demerit imply relation to retribution for good or harm done to another but a man's action good or evil does no good or harm to god for it is written job thirty five verses six seven quote, if thou sin what shalt thou hurt him and if thou do justly what shalt thou give him unquote. therefore a human action good or evil is not meritorious or demeritorious in the sight of god objection to further an instrument acquires no merit or demerit in the sight of him that uses it because the entire action of the instrument belongs to the user now when man acts he is the instrument of the divine power which is the principal cause of his action hence it is written isaiah ten verse fifteen quote, shall the axe boast itself against him that cutteth with it or shall the saw exalt itself against him by whom it is drawn where man while acting is evidently compared to an instrument therefore man merits or demerits nothing in god's sight by good or evil deeds objection three further a human action acquires merit or demerit through being ordained to someone else but not all human actions are ordained to god therefore not every good or evil action acquires merit or demerit in god's sight on the contrary it is written ecclesiastes twelve verse fourteen quote, all things that are done god will bring into judgment whether it be good or evil End quote. now judgment implies retribution in respect of which we speak of merit and demerit therefore every human action both good and evil acquires merit or demerit in god's sight i answer that 
a human action as stated above article three acquires merit or demerit through being ordained to someone else either by reason of himself or by reason of the community and in each way our actions good and evil acquire merit or demerit in the sight of god on the part of god himself inasmuch as he is man's last end and it is our duty to refer all our actions to the last end as stated above question nineteen article ten consequently whoever does an evil deed not referable to god does not give god the honor due to him as our last end on the part of the whole community of the universe because in every community he who governs the community cares first of all for the common good wherefore it is his business to award retribution for things as are done well or ill in the community now god is the governor and ruler of the whole universe as stated in the first part question one o three article five and especially of rational creatures consequently it is evident that human actions acquire merit or demerit in reference to him else it would follow that human actions are no business of god's reply objection one god in himself neither gains nor loses anything by the action of man but man for his part takes something from god or offers something to him when he observes or does not observe the order instituted by god reply objection to man is so moved as an instrument by god that at the same time he moves himself by his free will as was explained above question nine article six to three consequently by his action he acquires merit or demerit in god's sight reply objection three man is not ordained to the body politic according to all that he is and has so it does not follow that every action of his acquires merit or demerit in relation to the body politic but all that man is and can and has must be referred to god and therefore every action of man whether good or bad acquires merit or demerit in the sight of god as far as the action itself is concerned end of question twenty one end of summa theologica pars prima secundi on the last end and on human acts by st thomas aquinas translated by the fathers of the english dominican province